Hey everybody, welcome to Offbeat Wall Street. I'm Frank Miller. And every week we arrive at the Capitol, read the oath of office, and then attend about a dozen parties all around town. <laughs> all that in an effort to bring you the best information about Wall Street and the financial markets, being the public servants that we are. You know, it's going to be a good week for civics lessons. We start the week off with a holiday for Martin Luther King Day, and we end up with the inauguration of a new president. We'll take a look at what Wall Street's expecting from the new administration and the complications that corporations might face with a president who is both pro-business and anti-trade. We'll also follow up with the deep dive into the retail sector that we made last week. New data is due out about how Christmas sales went. Here's a little hint. Wasn't great. Well, unless you're in the auto business. And we'll also take a look at some quarterly results from a few big players in the financial sector. Another hint here, the fourth quarter of 2016 is <laughs> a good time to be a bond trader. Well, hindsight's always 2020. And, of course, we'll look ahead to what's coming up this week. There's more financial earnings. There's results from Netflix, you know, a company that uh, always likes to ride the roller coaster during earnings season. And we've got a check-in with the Fed yet again, even though it's uh, nearly certain what they're going to do at their next meeting. And it won't be ordering pizza. Although they might. Who knows? Finally, as always, we'll peruse some of the less cited articles of Wall Street's Constitution. We've got delayed tax refunds, accidental Nazi footprints, and new pieces for Monopoly. And if that doesn't keep you waiting in suspense, <laughs> I don't know what will. And hey, Apple's apparently jealous of Amazon, and Cadillac might be jealous of Apple. Sounds like an episode of the Jerry Springer Show. And we've got the perfect job for the soon-to-be former President Barack Obama. So this is the There's Never Been a Problem With That Before episode of Offbeat Wall Street. I need a dictaphone. You've got one on your desk. Doesn't work. What's wrong with it? Doesn't work. He's asking. It's stuck on record. It won't stop recording things. So it's just what you want lying around the White House Counsel's Office because there's never been a problem with that before. Well, Donald J. Trump will be sworn in as the president on Friday. Now, not long ago, that sentence would have only worked as a setup for a Simpsons gag. Now... It's a New York Times headline. Trump pulled off a running 18-month upset and is about to take over the reins of the U.S. government. Now, for the most part, Wall Street has cheered his election. A Trump rally, as it was called, started just after the election results came in, and the advance took the major U.S. equity indices to new highs in subsequent weeks. The general idea has been that Trump and the Republicans will decrease regulation, keep taxes low, and foster a pro-business environment. Of course, Trump also rode to power on a protectionist message, a fact that could complicate the next four to eight years for a large international conglomerate, such as Ford, for example. Earlier this month, they scrapped a multi-billion dollar plan to expand production in Mexico and instead decided to invest $700 million in U.S. facilities. Now, the company denied that Trump's threat of a border tax prompted the decision. Instead, the company claimed that the incoming president's pro-business policies convinced it that America was the right place to invest. A little brown-nosing never hurt. <laughs> and it turns out that there's some economic problems that need fixing, though. Now, last week we talked about the growing worries about the retail sector. Macy's and Sears were closing stores and cutting jobs. Meanwhile, some early signs pointed to a disappointing holiday shopping season. But now we've got the official retail sales figures for December, and they did, in fact, come in below expectations. According to the U.S. Commerce Department, retail sales climbed by six-tenths of one percent in December, and that followed two-tenths of a percent the previous month. December's growth rate was also below expectations. Economists were looking for the figure to rise seven-tenths of one percent. 
Sales were even more sluggish than they appear on the surface, though. The growth in December was fueled by a 2.4% increase in sales by motor vehicle and parts dealers. Stripping out the auto sector, sales only edged higher by two-tenths of 1%. That's well below the half a percent that was projected by economists. Better news elsewhere, though. Last week saw earnings reports from a trio of major banks. J.P. Morgan said that fourth-quarter profits grew 24% from last year. That reflected higher bond trading revenues. Quarterly revenues were up by 2%. Both earnings and revenues were able to top expectations. Similar story over at Bank of America. Earnings there also rose from last year, up nearly 47%. Again, though, the growth was boosted by trading revenues in its fixed-income unit. Results also beat expectations. Things were a bit different at Wells Fargo, though. The company is still trying to get past its phony account scandal. Earnings for the quarter fell short and came in below expectations. You guys have gotten something more than 3,000 letters in the last 10 days wanting to know when we're getting the new bear for the National Zoo. What happened to the old bear? Lum Lum. Okay. She died two weeks ago. Did I kill her? No. Then what are you talking to me for? 3,000 letters in 10 days. Did I write any of them? No. Then... Once again, who should I be talking to? Well, financials will be in focus again this week. American Express leads the charge. The company is expected to see a drop in profits compared to last year. Earnings per share are projected to fall about 20% from a year ago. Revenues are seen down about 6%. Last time around, Amex issued a blockbuster earnings report. The company topped expectations with its quarterly profit, and it also raised expectations for the full year. As it turns out, though, people are leaving home without it. Oh, well. Well, this week we'll see the results of a number of financial companies like Morgan Stanley, KeyCorp, and BB&T. They're all set to report. Outside the financial sector, Netflix, one of the biggest names set to report earnings. The online movie company has been the uh, Reggie Jackson, if you will, of the last few earnings season. All home runs or all strikeouts. Last time, it was a home run. In October, the company reported earnings that rose from last year and beat expectations. Netflix also had strong subscriber growth figures. Subscriber additions remain soft in the U.S., where the online movie service is facing market saturation, but overseas growth was well above expectations. Going into the October report, Netflix had suffered two straight bad reports. In July, a slowdown in subscription numbers spooked investors and prompted double-digit declines in its stock price. This time around, though, Netflix is projecting to see earnings per share grow 30% compared to last year. Revenues are expected to jump more than 35 rising to nearly $2.5 billion. As has been the case lately, the focus will likely fall on subscriber figures. In October, Netflix announced quarterly subscriber additions were 3.57 million. Most of those, namely 3.2 million, came from overseas. U.S. subscriber additions, well, you figure out the math. Well, you know the decimals are a little bit hard, so we'll just tell you it was 370,000 for the quarter well below expectations. Now, in its July report, Netflix reported 1.68 million total ads, and that included just 160,000 in the U.S. and 1.52 million overseas. Barring something unforeseen, U.S. editions are likely to be limited for the most recent quarter. The question will be whether Netflix was able to grow enough in international markets to make up for it, or if there were really that many people in the U.S. that wanted to see the second season of Fuller House. Yeah. Well, there's still not much going on in the economic front this week. Still, the Fed, spotlight hogs that they are, continue to get what little spotlight there is this week. The central bank is set to release its so-called beige book. 
Now, their report is made up of reports from the Fed's regional district, and it details how the economy fared in different parts of the country, and it does give a good look at what policymakers will be looking at when they make their next decision. The Fed's set to make that decision on interest rates on February 1st, and right now, almost no one is expecting another hike in interest rates. Currently, action in the options market is pointing to about a 2% chance that the Fed will hike rates again in February. Right now, traders are pricing in a likely rate hike in either May or June. Besides the Fed, there's a few other noteworthy economic reports this week. Sorry, Fed, you don't get all the attention. We'll get a little information about the manufacturing sector as two key regional surveys are due out. The New York Federal Reserve will release its monthly Empire State Index, and that'll give a look at the health of the manufacturing sector in, you guessed it, New York State. We'll also get a similar report from the Philadelphia Federal Reserve. That index will cover the factory sector in the Mid-Atlantic region. And this week, we'll also see the release of a report on the Consumer Price Index, and that provides a glimpse at retail inflation. And we'll get reports on housing starts and industrial production. It's called the theory of everything. The theory of everything? Yes. Is it comprehensive? CJ. That was a joke there, pal of mine. I want you to lead with this. Carol, I'm missing the OMB stats. They're coming. CJ, I want you to lead with this. I'm not going to lead with it. Yes, you are. Okay. So you got it? Sure. I mean, you got what you're supposed to Carol, say? Also the EPA? Committee won't be out till three. CJ, say it for He's me. He's making me crazy. You know, I heard that. Yeah, I understand how a speakerphone works. Say it for me. Joshua, I really have to get to the briefing Say it, room. please. Psychics at Caltech and the Fermi National Accelerator Lab are close to announcing what Physicists. Like... Theoretical physicists at Caltech. Not psychics? No. I should jot that down. Please. Okay, each week we like to wander off the beaten path a little bit. Stroll through the weeds and look at some of the money stories that aren't exactly Wall Street related. Time now for some of our quick hits. All right, you want the good news first or the bad news first? Well, we don't care. We're just going to give you the bad news first. The IRS is warning that there might be some delays in issuing tax refunds this year. That comes as the agency aims to catch identity thieves and fraudsters. Taking a cue from their new boss, the IRS issued a tweet explaining the decision, and they said that they won't be issuing refunds on tax returns that claim the earned income tax credit or the additional child tax credit before February 15th. (laughs) And because I don't want to be audited, I'm not going to try to make a segue to this next story. A California-based shoe manufacturer is recalling one of its boot models because the prints created by the soles left swastika symbols. Yeah, no joke. The recall apparently started when a Reddit user reported that his new pairs of Polar Fox boots left swastika-shaped footprints on the floor. Conal International Trading said that it was no way intentional, and it was an obvious mistake made by their manufacturers in China, and they never intended to have any swastika designs on their shoes. And I can only think that a designer at the Conal International Trading Company is probably looking for a new job right now. Yeah, these segues aren't getting any easier, but hey, let's go with this. Here's another company looking to get rid of some familiar symbols. Monopoly players have they've had a chance to vote for their favorite tokens. Game owner Hasbro has launched Monopoly Token Madness Votes, where fans can pick up all eight game pieces. Voting started on January 10th and runs through January 31st. Fans can choose eight tokens from a list of more than 50 contenders. All the current tokens are there, like the top hat, the car, the thimble, and our favorite, the battleship. But there's also a bunch of new choices, like a penguin, a rubber ducky, and a bunny slipper. I don't know about you, but I don't think I could play without the thimble, right? And apparently uh, they're going to do it uh, U.S. constitutional style. Whatever uh, token gets the most electoral votes for most states is going to... Ah, never mind. Hey, Apple's reportedly planning to produce original video content as the company looks to take on heavyweights like Netflix 
and Amazon. The tech giant plans to offer original TV shows and movies as part of its bundle in its $10 a month Apple Music subscription service. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. The report says the company's been in talks with Hollywood producers about buying rights to scripted TV programs. Apple has also approached experienced marketing executives at studios and networks to discuss hiring them to promote its content. Hey, if Apple really wants to compete with Netflix and uh, Fuller House, maybe they ought to bring back Family Matters. I mean, who wouldn't want to see the return of a 40-something-year-old Steve Urkel? <laughs> Oops, did I do that? Eh, yeah. Hey, binge-watching is an old idea at this point, but what about binge-driving? Well, it appears that Cadillac has launched a new subscription service that allows customers to drive and switch between different Cadillacs for a flat monthly fee. Book by Cadillac is a $1,500 monthly fee service that, quote-unquote, eliminates the hassles of car ownership so members can experience uninhibited driving. Book by Cadillac gives members access to popular Cadillac vehicles, including the XT5, the CT5, the Escalade, and the V-Series, all at will without the commitment of leasing or buying. However, the guy that cuts you off is still going to flip you the finger. Yeah, what can you do, you know? Hey, and if you don't want to drive, public transportation just got a little bit more bearable. Well, at least in New York. Starting last week, cell phone coverage became available in all New York City underground subway stations. Wi-Fi service had already been installed in the underground stations a full two years ahead of schedule. And lastly, a little job placement. By the end of the week, President Obama will be former President Obama. He's going to need a new job, and Spotify has apparently got one lined up for him. The online music streaming service has posted a job listing on its website for President of Playlists. The requirements of the job are such that they can only be fulfilled by the outgoing president. According to the description, the president of Playlists needs to have at least eight years' experience running a highly regarded nation and have good relationships with a wide range of artists and musicians. When the president's got an embassy surrounded in Haiti or a keyhole photograph of a heavy water reactor or any of the 50 life and death matters that walk across his desk every day, I don't know if he's thinking about Immanuel Kant or not. I doubt it, but if he does, I am comforted at least in my certainty that he is doing his best to reach for all of it and not just the McNuggets. Hey, thanks everybody. This has been Offbeat Wall Street. And if you like the show, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher and subscribe. While you're there, why not rate and review the show? Good ratings help other people discover it. Bad ratings help bad people avoid it. So it's very helpful that you give us the good ratings. <laughs> also, let all your friends know about us. Check out our website at offbeatwallstreet.com. Follow us on Twitter at offbeatwallstreet. Remember that ST is like the ST is on street signs and of course a big thanks to the big bs for script writing co-production of the podcast thanks brian stewart and a special thanks of course to rtt news for providing news and stats we use on this here show so for up-to-date info on the markets check them out rttnews.com and as we say goodbye i just wanted to pour one out for the democrats you know they're going to be out of power in both the congress and the white house but as the republicans have shown it's good to be feisty in dissent where are you going I'm not going anywhere. I'm standing up, which is how one speaks in opposition in a civilized world. Have a great week, everybody.